Bitcoin is close to becoming worthless. Now what's the Bitcoin? Bitcoin's like rat poison. Yeah. Oh. The greatest scam in history. Let's get it. Bitcoin will go to fucking zero. <laughs> yeah. All right, you ungovernable misfits. I'm your host, Max. Everybody knows that Bitcoin is useless, worthless, and doomed to fail. But what if everyone's wrong? What if it's the system that is doomed to fail? Join me as I speak to some of the brightest people in the space and slither to the deepest, darkest depths of the Bitcoin rabbit hole. Welcome back. Today's episode of Bitcoin Monthly is recorded with Bitcoin Q&A and Antimus. We do it every month, and we do this so that you don't have to spend hours every day searching through all the updates in the Bitcoin and open source world. We do our best to filter out all the noise and get to the signal. But maybe there's a topic that you particularly want us to cover, or you have questions on something that we cover in this episode. If you do, you can send us a boost on any of the Podcasting 2.0 platforms and we will cover it on the next show. Actually, we will probably cover it. If it's stupid or scammy or just nonsense, we won't cover it. And if you want your sats back, you can ask us. We might give them back, we might not. We might tell you to fuck off if it's scammy. Anyway, loads to cover in this episode, so we'll crack on. Before we start, I want to say thank you to Foundation Devices for sponsoring this show. We wouldn't be able to make it without them. And I appreciate that they sponsored this show, despite knowing that I would shill their product to friends and family and listeners anyway. It really is the best hardware out there. It's fully open source. It has the best team in the Bitcoin world. And they're doing everything that they can to keep you safe and secure. QR scanning is piss easy with this thing. Envoy, their companion app, is beautiful. And the new UCXO management tool is amazing. We cover some of this in this show, so I won't bang on too much. But if you haven't already checked them out, you need to go to foundationdevices.com. I've put a link at the bottom of the show notes, but you can use the code UNGOVERNABLE if you do decide to buy one. You'll get three months of IVPN usage for free. Foundationdevices.com. Finally, if you want the best Bitcoin node out there, again, fully open source and with the best team in the space, go to ronandojo.com. I've put a link in the show notes. You can use the code UNGOVERNABLE. If you decide to buy one of their Tantos or Tanto 2s, you will get a discount and I will get a few sats as a thank you for mentioning them. Everyone's a winner. Enjoy the show. Oh, here's his beautiful voice. Hey. New mic. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. yes. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you sound really nice, mate. A new year, a new voice. A new you. How do you feel about it? Now you're a real man. We can hear you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'll just come up real close and just groan a bit. Yeah. That's <laughs> for the ladies out there. Exactly. What are you recording on? Now a blue, uh, the one you recommended. Yeah. So it's a Yeti blue and it's uh, it's wonderful. I mean, it's still, mm-hmm. still on the stand. I haven't got the arm out yet. Don't get it. Yeah, I hate the arms. The shit. Yeah, I hate them. Okay. Okay. When you use the arm, which I'm using now, you swing it across and you're like, oh, this is going to go right in front of my face, exactly where it's supposed to be. Yeah. But the problem is when you do that, it's directly in front of the screen, which is also (laughs) supposed to be in front of your face so that you can see the screen. So now as I look at our Bitcoin monthly show notes, all I can see is a fucking microphone. So just consider that before you buy one. It's really annoying. You have to sort of peer around stuff to see. Yeah, I get that. 
the issue is that I've, if you've got like notes here, the mic's standing where I'm supposed to be writing, right? And I've got to like kind of lean down so that I'm not too far away from the mic and I want to sound like this. You need like a minion to stand on the side, hold it to you when you write notes, they take it away again. That's it. Thank you. Yeah. Boys, how you been doing? Been doing pretty well. Yeah. Christmas came and went fairly uneventful. Didn't catch COVID like the rest of the world, which is a plus. Mm -hmm. Everybody that I know seems to be ill in some uh, shape or form. I managed to uh, survive it unscathed, even though everybody in the household was on their deathbed. So by not having the jabs, have uh, got that pure blood in me that uh, I can now take <laughs> on the world. <laughs> and you had to look after everyone else, I assume, Pretty over much. Christmas then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's been a thing in the UK, COVID. Apparently. Yeah, everyone in my family had it as well. I don't know whether it's COVID because I refuse to let my family test, but that sort of symptoms anyway. Okay. Same in my household. Our family Christmas was cancelled on one side of the family. Ooh. And then we had another cancellation and it's because people were flapping around and testing and boomer stuff. Very frustrating, but... Outside of them, we had a lovely Christmas in my house. It was very nice. None of us were sick. We were all pure bloods. Pure bloods around here. Had a great Christmas. Ate far too much. My little one can't stop saying bulking because that's all I say now at home. <laughs> so they just walk into any room and see any protein shaker or any food and just go, bulking. <laughs> oh, amazing. And that was what Christmas was about. What about Sweet. you, Antimus? Uh, yeah, well, this year was really relaxed, really slow. That was amazing. Like the last years, because I've got a pretty like uh, spread out family um, together with my missus. So uh, the, over the last couple of years, it's been a lot of traveling and going backwards and forwards and split up and so on. So this year, we just kind of retracted from all of that and, and just uh, had a really solitary holidays. And that was absolutely beautiful <laughs> so uh yeah we've got a puppy and uh so that's, that's that was wonderful to have a bit of time with the puppy and because uh, uh, the, the last two months have been pretty tough getting her up to speed but uh, everything's wonderful now can we do some puppy news yeah i was gonna say i need some puppy pictures when we get off uh, the recording let's just yeah know a little bit about the puppy how old what breed don't uh, dogs too yeah. hard but it'd be nice to know <laughs> no no she's fine um a labrador and she's now 17 weeks so just over uh four months and um yeah i mean we got her with like eight weeks or something seven eight Mm -hmm. weeks um so at the beginning obviously a lot of wiping and a lot of uh she just eats everything fucking hell um so yeah from near death a few times exactly (laughs) by the way Anybody that tells you getting a puppy is preparation for having kids is a barefaced liar. Yeah. Ignore everything <laughs> yeah. they have to say. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can confirm. I thought when I had a dog, I was like, fucking hell, this is so much harder. My life is so much harder now. Like, I've got to think about this other thing and can't just go out and not come back. And, oh, it's really tough. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Treasure these moments. Yeah. No, it's absolutely. I mean, and now it's amazing. I mean, obviously, the first few weeks when it's sort of just a little sleep and and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, that goes over so fast. I mean, dog. I mean, you kind of notice how fucking slow human evolve. <laughs> like it's like little kids. Yeah. Fucking yeah. hell! Like it, it takes ages. Like so vulnerable and helpless. Mm-hmm. I mean, these these little ones. I mean, you're out of it in like two three weeks. I mean, so. It's fine. Yeah. And now, now it's a proper <laughs> yeah. little dog, man. That's wonderful. Love it. In other news, the ETF came and pumped all of our bags and we've all retired now, like Bitcoin Twitter said we were going to. Oh, wait. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I better send that boat back quick. <laughs> shit. Sell the yacht. Yeah, good job I kept the receipt. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. There was like one day where it pumped. And then, like, literally a day later, they're like, oh, fuck, it's ended. It's over. And then Jamie Dimon came on and was like, apparently, well, I don't know, I have to confirm this with you guys whether this is possible. Apparently, Satoshi can just come back and then he'll just delete all the Bitcoins. Is that right? <laughs> That's what he said on CNBC. He's got God mode. He can uh, he can just come in and 
do whatever he wants. Yeah. Why has no one checked this? I wouldn't have got involved if I'd have known this. You just come back and delete it. If only it was open source. That would be good, wouldn't it? I didn't have many texts, to be honest with you, but for anybody, the, the few people that I have tried to orange pill and that did uh, get over the line, I always say if they do come back to me and they're like, yeah, oh, it's going down. I'm just like, yeah, if you ever want to sell, you know where to come. <laughs> where? Not you, because I keep trying to sell mine to you. You won't buy it. <laughs> Yours are tainted. <laughs> oh man yeah i was i was kind of expecting like a sell the news event but not even that happened i mean it was just absolutely like anticlimactic the whole thing i was actually looking for cheap sats after that the best thing about the whole situation was the fact that the sec completely botched the announcement that was good to be fair beautiful just that was just a wild timeline that you just it instills confidence, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> These people are there to protect you from money launderers and criminals, and they can't even send a fucking tweet on the right day. <laughs> or update a website. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, the website went down as well. Wasn't it? Yeah, 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 exactly. And they <laughs> didn't have uh, 2FA, right? That was the issue, eh? Apparently so. Well, I, I, I call bullshit that they got hacked. Really? Mm-hmm. You think they tweeted it out and then... It's just too convenient. Yeah, they had it queued up for, for the wrong day and one of the interns did it wrong there. They pressed the send button too early or they just queued it for the wrong day, is my opinion. Maybe. I know Elon's come out and corroborated their story that they didn't have 2FA and they got hacked and stuff, but, you know, slip him some uh, Dogecoin and he'll say anything. <laughs> <laughs> or was it Elon? I've heard that one going around as well. I did actually say, yeah, the, fir the first comment, we were talking about it in the work chat and uh, that was my first comment was that I got like a, a, a little imagination thought here that Elon sat in his man cave in his fancy house in his underpants drinking beer, just abusing Twitter God mode, just fucking with <laughs> yeah, the SEC. Because yeah. <laughs> he did tell them to fuck off. Oh, did he? Yeah. I can't remember the exact phrasing, but in so many words, he told them to fuck off. Oh, yeah, because of like the Tesla stuff, right? I mean, because yeah. there, the SEC was like investigating him and stuff like that. It was either fuck off connection. or like they can suck my dick or they can fuck off. It was something along those lines. Nice. The sort of thing you can do if you're Iron Man. You can just say shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you literally do have God mode. Mm -hmm. All right, Antimus, take it away, mate. Yeah, uh, got quite a list. Uh, thanks, Q, for, for putting this together. So we've got, first of all, Sparrow Wallet v 1.8.2. Uh, so we've got some some improvements here on, on like labels and the transactions and also uh, a more visible effective fee rate um, like a statement, which is quite cool. So when you do like CPFP, like Charles pays for parent, you have to bump the fee, right? So both transactions together have an effective fee rate, which is now displayed more visibly uh, beforehand or you'd have to go go in with the tooltip to, to get that info. Um, so there's some like minor improvements there. As always with Craig, there are quite a few things bundled up in these these updates. I don't know if anything else jumped out to you guys. Well, first off, he got it in by the skin of his teeth. I, I messaged him yesterday saying that we're recording tomorrow and we've got nothing to talk about. So he's like, shit, all right, let me cobble <laughs> something together. And this is what he came out with. So fair play. Not bad for um, that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, the CPFP thing uh, is very cool with the effective fee rate because with the frothy mempool that we've had over the last six months, I've had a few messages from people that have kind of got caught out by doing child plays for parent and not fully understanding kind of how it works and the fact that nine times out of 10, you have to increase the fee rate quite drastically to pay for the parent transaction. Whereas some people get caught in the trap of they just bump it up a little bit thinking, well, you know, if I did 10 sats per byte before and now I do 15 and that's what mempool says, then like you said, Antimus, that doesn't mean that the effective fee rate is the new one that you applied. It has to be much higher than that to carry the weight of the previous transaction. So being able to see that in Sparrow now before you hit the big red button to send it and commit is going to save people a lot of headaches, which is a good thing and obviously well thought out by Mr. Roar as well. The only other one from this release is that you can now reorder the outputs of a transaction which will make no difference to the 99% of normal Bitcoin users. But uh, apparently this is important for the ordinals, DGENs. One of the, or the counting method that they do to kind of order their Satoshis is like a, a first in, first out 
ordering system. And if you just kind of use a wallet like Sparrow or any other wallet just to blindly make a transaction and it doesn't order them in the way that this stupid ordinals framework says, you can inadvertently send your... Yes, theory, thank you. You can inadvertently send your quote-unquote rare sat or whatever crap it is that's buried within the transaction to somebody else. Uh, And then, you know, Mm -hmm. as with Bitcoin, once it's gone, it's gone. So um, it's not specifically like an ordinal support within Spire or anything like that. It's just a case of if I've got three outputs to a transaction, I can choose which one goes in zero, one, and two positions. Just going back to the child paper for parent bit, what's the benefit of using that rather than RBF or vice versa? I'm pretty sure I saw something the other day, which I didn't fully read. I just scanned it where it was saying something to do with privacy concerned with Charles pays for parent and RBF is gives less away or doesn't link other UTXOs? It depends a bit on on in what position you are, right? So if you send coins to me, then you can only do RBF and mm-hmm. I can only do child pays per, for parent, right? Because I've got the output and you had the inputs, right? But obviously if it's a self-spend, you self-spend, could do both. Yeah. So if you want to mimic that you're spending the coins, then you'd want to do child pays for parent. Although, no, at the end of the day, that doesn't matter, right? Because it could still be both. So I, d- I don't quite see the, the privacy point, maybe Q there, but otherwise it's just like the, the depending on in what position you are, right? Yeah. Uh, to my knowledge, the only privacy thing is with RBF, you can include additional inputs when you replace the transaction. And if you don't have a, a say on what inputs are used, then obviously you might be adding additional inputs to the transaction that are not desirable. Yeah, I think that was the point. I suppose if you're not labeling or you're, you're yeah. using something, and then that links. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Um, so there's that uh, as a plus point, I guess, for child pays for parent. But the flip side to that is doing child pays for parent versus RBF. There's two transactions with CPFP, so it's going to cost you a lot more. And like I said before, you need to really jack up that fee rate. So you know, to complete that, it costs a lot more versus just replacing one transaction with another that then posts a higher fee rate. So there's trade-offs to both. But that depends on, unless I'm, I'm mistaken, but with child pays for parent, it only costs a lot more to bump the fee if you had multiple inputs with the child transaction, right? Because that would increase the, the weight. If you had just like one input, one output on the first transaction, then it wouldn't take that much to bump it. But the second one obviously is just one input, one output. So the weight would be a lot lower with the second one. So you'd have to bump it higher, right? Or am I? Uh, yeah, I think you're going down the right lines. Um, it does, the the, the the way in which you need to kind of bump the, the fee does grow with the size of the transaction in terms of inputs, mm-hmm. outputs and signatures and stuff. So yeah, you're right. But it, that, the, the point still stands, it is still more expensive even in the most mm-hmm. simplistic of transactions yeah. compared to R- RBF. I had a situation now where I caught myself uh, with wanting to do uh, child pays for parent. I had to do a, a larger transaction and uh, wanted to merge from different wallets into one wallet and then do a large transaction. So I sent over some some coins from another wallet to the spending wallet and lowballed the fee because I knew I was going to pass it on anyway. So uh, I could do child pays for the parent. The issue was I put in such a low fee that it didn't even show up in the, in the mempools. And the issue was it was on uh, a BTC Pay server, and there it was shown as spent, so I can't respend it. <laughs> and in the other wallet, it doesn't show show up, uh, so that took quite a while to to get that undone. What did you do in that scenario? Then? Did you just wait until the fees dropped and it got rebroadcast? No, I had to recover the wallet in a different wallet because it wasn't possible to do that out of uh, in my BTC Pay server. It was from a Lightning on-chain wallet I was spending out and inside RTL it wasn't possible to rebroadcast so I had to recover that wallet in a different wallet and then rebroadcast and that worked. Was it Blue Wallet by any chance that you used for recovery? Yes. I was going to say because there's not that many wallets outside of LND that support that seed type because they don't use BIP39 yeah. do they? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Good to know. Well, so that's a good segue, right? Look at that, that you blue see. Such a pro. <laughs> it's that pure blood, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> Firing on all cylinders this morning, guys. <laughs> Just as well, didn't do it in the evening. So we've got two releases actually here. So this is V6.4.12 and 15. And in the first, we've got a new tool to generate the last uh, mnemonic word. So if you 
draw your words out of a hat or, or however you want to do that with chips or something like that, you can do this and then generate your 12th or 24th word within Blue Wallet, which is definitely a cool feature. And then in the second release, we've also got, and this is uh, pretty disturbing. I don't know if this um, also like uh, affects other projects, but they've removed Tor support. So um, uh. yeah, the, and this is due to a dependency they've been using has not been maintained for a year or so. So they've deemed this insecure or not compatible anymore. And this is especially with um, their framework, UI framework, which is like React Native, so that they can use this on all different platforms. And um, yeah, I don't know how many other wallets uh, use this, this framework, the React Native, and have the same issue. But they've definitely said we'll take an outdoor support and people should use it with the Orbot. Which is the worst app in the world. Yeah, I hate Orbot. Yes. I fucking hate Orbot. It is so shit. The fact that Blue Wallet have removed Tor from the app, although it sounds bad, like it, there's probably no change for the end user because it never fucking worked anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I can kind of see why they would take that out and just have one less thing to worry about. But, you know, it's not great for, you know, if you're a Blue Wallet user and you want to talk to your, uh, your node when you're not home, then you've got to go through some hoops there. You either got to deal with the headaches of Orbot, which... I wouldn't even wish that on my worst enemy. Or, you know, set up a, a tail scale side of things, which then massively raises the barriers to entry because not everybody's going to be comfortable in setting that up. So if you're looking for an alternative, Envoy. Don't worry, we'll get onto the shill. Shill. Oh, nice. Nice. Shill. Alert. Starting the year strong. I like it. <laughs> Tor not working in Blue Wallet. Is that something to do with their implementation or how they're setting it up? Or is that just something with Tor generally that it's just very unreliable? Because when you say it never works, it's not changing anything because it never works. It works in Envoy for me. Not always, mm-hmm. but it does work. Like, you know, I contacted you the other day. I was like, oh, I'm trying to send this payment. It's not fucking connecting. It's not working. And I had to refresh and fuck around and do it a couple of times. And then it worked. And that's, for me, a trade-off that I'm willing to take. I'm like... It's not often I have to send a payment like, oh, it has to go this second. It's like if it mm. takes me another five minutes, I'm like, eh, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I sounded a little bit harsh before. Tor on mobile is difficult. I've never used a mobile wallet that has Tor built in and never not had a problem at some point. Mm. Every single one I've used has faces different challenges. The one with Blue Wallet is, as Antimus said, they, they use a React Native to kind of as a framework to build their app. The Tor library that they use that's compatible with react native is not maintained and clearly didn't work very well so reading comments on github by one of the the main devs basically they've just taken it out because it didn't work and they're looking for an alternative fine so it, it is to do with how they've implemented it because both with phoenix and with envoy it's not always perfect but it's pretty good and usable and so, like, I never understand this thing where people are like, oh, I just can't be bothered with you with your tail scale and stuff like that. Like, okay, fine, if you found a workaround. But a lot of people who are just like, oh, I'm not going to bother because Tor's too unstable. It's like, I don't personally experience that. Maybe that's me being lucky, but it's a bit shit, but it's workable. Yeah, it's uh, sadly, it's just a, for the Blue Wallet situation that there isn't another alternative that they can look to that's compatible with their current app architecture, I guess. I'm not sure yeah. of any apps, other apps that use React Native, to be honest. Yeah, like Zeus or something like that. I mean, these are all also projects that, that run on all sorts of different uh, platforms. I mean, that's one of the main benefits of using React Native, right? What I understand is that you can very easily create your app and then deploy it for Android and Mac OS and for iOS and all this kind of stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned Zeus actually. I just quickly checked, and it does. That is, uh, it's built on TypeScript and React Native. So, not sure what okay. they're using under the hood, but uh, maybe the Blue Wallet guys could see what's going on on the Zeus side of things. RoboSats. Uh, this is a big release on their side. Great new features. Uh, that's been on the roadmap for a while. It's a horrible name, in my opinion, <laughs> but it's introducing the RoboSats Federation. Um, I was uh, bracing myself for what was going to come now, but it's not a new organization uh, that's been set up. This is their attempt to decentralize the whole ecosystem. So you can now set up your own coordinator or 
multiple coordinators can exist in parallel. And as a user, you can choose which one you want to sign up for. Um, so this is definitely great to see to stabilize this uh, project and make it more resistant against uh, outside attacks. Obviously, uh, as a user, you should uh, watch out because it doesn't matter which one you choose. Uh, the the coordinator always has the power to steal funds from you. So um, this is it, it, that's one of the reasons why it's important to have multiple coordinators. Uh, so you don't have to trust one of them. But this is definitely interesting to see how this will uh, evolve and, and shake out in the long term. Yeah, so I think there is a reputation system for these new coordinators that come online as well. So whilst you are absolutely correct that, you know, one could go rogue and steal from you mid-trade, the idea being that obviously if they did that, they'd quickly gain a terrible reputation and then cannibalize their own revenue stream. But yeah, this is great to see the option to have multiple different coordinators up there, all crucially within a single order book. So it's not like you need to know the onion addresses for all the different coordinators, like they're all visible from within the same master order book. One unanswered question I have here, and maybe you can answer it, Antimus, is while it's great that we're decentralizing the coordinators uh, and we have multiple options and hopefully we get to a stage somewhere down the line where this is lucrative enough that there's enough of an incentive that we get hundreds of these. If they're all coming into a single order book, then if I was a three-letter agency, wouldn't that order book just be the main target then? Because if I take that down, then nobody else can discover that there's 100 coordinators. I know that's kind of hand-wavy and that probably is not an easy thing to do, especially if it's been hosted over Tor, but it still Mm. seems like there is a little bit of a single point of failure or a single point of attack at least. Yeah, that's the main difference, right, to BISC, because there you've got your your client server on on your machine at home and they can connect directly here. You've got it running via this one website, right? Are they partly thinking liquidity is relatively small, on RoboSats, as far as I understand it. And maybe they're thinking, well, we can adapt if things change, if we grow to a certain size, because presumably a three-letter agency is going to put their resources on something bigger first, I'd imagine. I don't know. I don't know how they think, but that may be part of it. They're definitely taking it in steps. And I think that the big one was decentralizing the coordinator. And I would imagine that the next step would also be to have multiple endpoints from which to to access the order book so that that's not dependent on this one access point. Mm. But I I haven't seen that vocalized by them, but that's definitely a good point. They might not vocalize it because that might put more of a target or whatever, but I just think maybe if I was in their position, I'd be looking and going, this is probably okay as a trade-off for now, but maybe on the roadmap there's something different. Possible, yeah, and I don't want to come across as as alarmist. You know, this is native to Tor, and it's non-trivial to try and take down an unknown onion address. Some darknet markets survive for years and years and years. Like it's it's not an easy thing to do. So I don't want to come off as like poo-pooing, you know, what they're doing here because this no, is no. absolutely a fantastic step in the right direction, and you know, love to see what they're doing. So maybe I'll try and get an answer to it. I'll hop into the Robosats Telegram group and just see if there's. Uh, there might just be a, a simple answer to it and I, I'm just being an idiot, but we'll see. And maybe it's even possible to do that, right? I mean, I don't know how they get all the different data from the different coordinators to bundle that up into this one order book. But I mean, it's all open source. Is it, it like via some kind of API system that you could just pull this data and I could set up a website and just pull that data and create my own order book? So I think I may have just answered my own question, just been reading one of the links. I think that each new coordinator that comes on also hosts the whole thing as well. So they... Oh, shit. Okay. So I'll read it verbatim here. Decentralized instances. The new version brings the power of decentralization to RoboSats. By spawning new instances, we increase the robustness of the platform. In order to fully stop the peer-to-peer market of RoboSats, every single instance must be stopped. So what I glean from that is that each coordinator is the host for the whole order book, not just their own orders. Mm-hmm. Okay. So or their own kind of liquidity, so to speak. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Good work. Cool. Right. Next on the list, uh, we've got Foundation Passport, firmware v2.2.0 and Envoy v1.5.0. These were both released beginning of January, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, sir. Uh, no, I think uh, late December, but definitely after we last recorded. 
The Envoy side of things, I won't go into full details because mm-hmm. we basically covered it last time because the beta was out. Um, so all mm-hmm. of the info's covered within there, but the he- headlines are full tap root support for mobile wallets. We've now got a full Spanish translation and then the rest of it was kind of quality of life sorts of things. So yeah, go check it out. On the Passport side of things, release 2.2.0, the main headliners were, if you're signing a, a larger transaction, larger in terms of data, so it might be a multi-sig transaction, or just a single SIG with a shit ton of inputs, we will automatically detect that as soon as you start to scan the the PSBT from Sparrow, Envoy, Nunchuck, whatever it is, and just say, hey, by the way, this is a very large transaction. Do you want to sign it via micro SD card instead because it might be quicker? You can then say yes or no, and then switch. You know, obviously, if you say yes, you'll be switched into the micro SD card signing flow. If not, then you'll just continue with the QR code scanning flow, and it'll just continue to read all of those inputs. It only triggers, you know, you'll only see this when you are signing very large transactions, but it's just to give you that option to say, hey, you know, it might be quicker to do this via micro SD card. And once you've signed the transaction, you can also, let's say you did it with QR codes, you can then, once it's signed, the passport is displaying the signed PSBT on screen via QR codes. You can now save that to a micro SD card if you want to kind of keep it and broadcast it later. If you're away from a coordinator or something like that, or or you haven't got internet connection, you can just save that signed PSBT to a micro SD card and keep it for broadcast later. And the flip side is also true that if you are signing via the micro SD flow and then you're like, you know what, I want to pass this back to the coordinator via QR codes, then you can go back the other way as well. And the final uh, headline is that we now support restoring seed QR seeds. So both formats, compact and normal. So you can now, rather than having to type the words in to restore an existing wallet within Passport, you can now just scan a QR code if you've got one of those already backed up. Hell yes. It'd be cool if someone made some like nice plates or something for that. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful to see. That's definitely something on my to-do list to, to get that checked out. Do you know what I've been really enjoying with the Passport? It's basic, but I really like it, is just being able to check addresses. I know that's simple, but sometimes when I'm putting in passphrase and then I'm like, oh, have I actually put the right one in? Am I actually using the right passphrase here before I send or do a self-spend? Just being able to scan a QR with the Passport and confirm, yes, you are actually sending where you want to be sending. You're not fucking yourself over here is a really nice little feature. Yeah, literally for me, one of the best parts of a QR code-based signer is just scanning a QR code and being sure that it is one of yours, be it a receiver or a change address before you go and do a big transaction. Just to get that peace of mind is worth its weight in gold. It saves a lot of concern. You know, for example, if you haven't written down, is it fingerprint you call it? Like when you enter a new passphrase in and then it gives you... So, you know, if you haven't written that down or you're not sure it's right and then you're going to do a larger spend, just being able to check that, it really, it takes like one second to do it and you're like, oh, okay, we're fine. That is really nice. So just to build on top of that, we've just started quality assurance testing on 2.3.0, which should be out by the time that we record next time. We've got a full address explorer as well. So if you, for whatever reason, don't want to or don't like to do the, the verify QR code scan we've just been talking about. You can also go in and now view addresses by the account. So you can see a list of addresses that are controlled by the various accounts that you've got added to Passport. You can view them one by one, skip by 10 at a time if you've, you know, you're looking for like index 670 or something stupid like that. And then you can also view a QR code version of each and every address as well. So technically speaking, you could if you wanted to, and I don't advise this use passport without a coordinator to receive only if you wanted to obviously there's lots of caveats there that you obviously passport doesn't know the state of the blockchain and and the wallet itself so it doesn't know whether addresses are being reused or not so that's one of the main reasons why i say i don't advise this but yeah address explorer very cool feature especially if you're you're looking for like a a specific address uh, a specific index so you can go and check that on device for any of your accounts one question i had to the signing with large transactions and the the micro sd card option this was for passport right so on your passport when you start scanning it will ask you if you want to transfer via micro sd card yes only when it detects a really large transaction so most people are never going to see this unless you're like a a three or five multi-sig user or you're a miner and you've got hundreds of inputs and you're kind of uh, consolidating them all or something like that okay but in envoy 
is that also detected? So when I set up a, a transaction, Envoy would already know, right, that this is a large transaction and that it could directly be transferred via microSD card. We don't support microSD card signing in Envoy yet, so everything is is on the passport ah. side. So as soon as it reads the PSBT, doesn't matter where it comes from, could be Sparrow, Nunchuk, anything that we're compatible with, passport will surface the morning. I understand. Right. Okay. Then next on the list, we have got Bitcoin Keeper V1.1.8, and this is a custom multisig. So now you can set up any M on N multisig you want. And also coin selection, uh, which is something we approve here. Uh, so that's that's great to see. Yeah, I think previously they only had like specific plans, so you could you could set up a single sig, like just connect your passport, or you could do a two or three, which they gave them names. I think it was like the pleb plan and the mm-hmm. honey badger plan or something like that, and the latter being a three or five. This release now basically means that you can go and do a a one of three or a seven of 12 or something, wherever you, you know, you can make it fit your, your specific use case if you wanted to. What's the open source status of Keeper at the moment? I, I did not follow this uh, and I, maybe I missed this, but they had that on the roadmap, right? Uh, yes. And I am frantically trying in the background to find an update because I don't know. Still not seen any GitHub links on their website. So my Got feeling is it's still not open source. Well, Bitcoin Keeper release, but this is on GitHub. Uh, Release v 1.1.0. So you found it? Yes. Oh, nice. Ah. To start. Oh, look. Built on React Native. Ah, interesting. Ah, Do they have Tor yet? Oh, they have. I think so. But they use Whirlpool, so... No, you can connect to Whirlpool um, over ClearNet. There is a ClearNet API. Ooh, Okay. Or, or uh, bot, right? looking for yes, uh, license. Here we go. Uh, yeah, it's MIT. Ooh, Good job, guys. well done. Love to see it. Is there any clauses? Hang on. Um, nope. Strictly oh. MIT. Well done, guys. When did this happen? Cool. Uh, six months ago, the license was updated. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, <laughs> missed that one. Cool. I believe the um. Bitcoin Keeper guys have just got a two Bitcoin bounty from HRF for Border Wallets. Did you see that? Ooh, because they implemented it. I, was, I yep. saw the bounty that well, we spoke about that a few months ago, right? When the, the bounty was put out, but I didn't see that they got it. Looks like it's just been paid out. Yeah. Cool. Was it in Bitcoin Keeper? Because the, the same team makes a couple of wallets. So I think it might have been in their other wallet. Uh, that could also be. Uh, I can see it's V1.1.0. P.S. We have also open sourced the code under the MIT license, and that was on the first of August, twenty twenty three. Yeah, ah, oh, bad then for being behind. <laughs> <laughs> nice, because that was always my the the one holdback I had with that. Because I mean, they do an amazing job, and the, the UI is great. It all looks cool, and they're doing the right stuff. But it was always like, oof, don't really want to trust this with live funds or recommend it to people. Not being open source, but I mean, now it's been open for for six months. Love to see it. We've got also Phoenix wallets for iOS v 2.1.0. They also support the request inbound liquidity feature. I'm not 100% sure if this was now just an update for the iOS versions and it was also already implemented beforehand. You are correct. Okay, so that's way around. Yeah, I mean, the, the request inbound liquidity feature is wonderful. I think I saw this the first time in like November or something. November, December? I don't know. This is coming up. Do you want to give a recap? for the listeners and what it is and why it's cool? Well, for those of you who want to or who receive a lot of Lightning transactions, this is a great feature to have because obviously it's a one-sided liquidity stream. So you've got the sats always coming coming in from your, your channel partner and at some point the channel is going to be empty. So you'll have to rebalance if you can or set up new channels, especially in a high-fee environment. This can be very costly. Phoenix is now offers a new feature that you can plan ahead and request a certain amount of inbound liquidity for a certain amount of time. And they'll set that aside for you. And you're paying a small fee, but it's it's very minor. What's small? don't have the exact numbers in here, but I remember... Sorry, I stepped away for 10 seconds. What was the question? Of like how high the fees are for the liquidity provided. But I remember that it was pretty low. 
but at the, at the end of the day, it's a great way to secure your inbound liquidity for a relatively low price without having to set up new channels and rebalance and, and splice your way out of it. Yeah, especially for those of you who are selling products via Lightning or just uh, receiving your salary or getting donations or whatever. If you've, if you've got a lot of inbound liquidity coming in and you're not sending a lot of it out via Lightning, this is a great way to kind of cover your risk of future high fees. With uh, explaining that you're incentivized here to do one big receive to open a large channel and pay a single fee so that you can, you know, if you then want to receive any further over and above that in the future, after you've spent some down, it doesn't result in additional splice, which is essentially an on-chain transaction, which is then the fees are passed on to you. So if you make one big fee from the outset, you can save yourself quite a lot in the long run if you plan to, to use Phoenix long-term and to do lots of payments in and out with it. In the short amount of time, I couldn't find the, the exact uh, numbers on the cost for the liquidity. It's 1%. Oh, that's all right. There we go. Samurai Dojo V 1.22.0 new API endpoint. So this is just a, an option to be able to check your addresses and if they've been used before and exclusion of incompatible clients. I don't have more information on that. I don't know uh, exactly what that is. That's why I included this. Render. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and i think max has got a great couple of podcasts if you want to deep dive onto this but basically <laughs> there's a, a fork of bitcoin core maintained by luke G- dash junior dasher called mm. bitcoin knots which is also used or one of the options within the ocean mining pool anybody that runs that knots client it has certain restrictions that limit op return data or the size of it which makes a lot of privacy preserving spends that are common within the Samurai Wallet ecosystem, they won't be relayed by those knots nodes because knots sees them as spam or whatever you want to call it, and it, it won't relay them. So if you're a Dojo user, it makes absolutely zero sense to have any peers that are running knots because when you send the transaction, the knots peer will not relay it. So this update with Dojo basically just cuts all of the knots clients and makes them you know not able to talk to Dojo software. Yeah, I mean, that whole... Saga, right? Um, that's been quite a, a large uh, topic. The, the last time we spoke, that hadn't all gone down, right? That's the first time we're on air with all those developments. Yeah, Max did a, a great couple of podcasts and, and mm-hmm. Twitter live streams to cover it. But uh, yeah, I, I think this makes, from the Dojo perspective, this makes perfect sense. People are, there's a few people screaming censorship and whatnot, but it's, it's literally like, well, why would I want a Bitcoin peer connected to my node that isn't going to relay my transactions? Yeah, it just makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Dojo Coder broke it down really nicely on our call, which I then posted live on my feed as well. But yeah, he goes into why, and I can't see any reason why you wouldn't do that. And also, it's kind of not irrelevant, but not many people use knots. Like, it's such a small percent of the network that the amount of times where this is actually going to happen is so minor. And it's a bit of a fuck you as well. It's like, it's an important thing that they're working on and Luke and his games are um, fucking around with it unnecessarily as far as I can see. So, yeah. That also will pass downstream to all Ronin Dojo users as well because obviously that mm-hmm. runs the Dojo software. So I think that's already been implemented by the Ronin team as well. Yeah, and with the Ronin, they've come out with a new Whirlpool UI for those of you who've been using Ronin Dojo for a couple of years. I think it was about a year ago or 14, 16 months ago or something, that they came out with the Ronin Dojo UI, which was a huge step. And now also they've improved on this with the Whirlpool UI, which uh, just visualizes uh, all the work Whirlpool workflows directly from your Dojo. Um, so major boost there. Whirlpool unspent capacity, uh, also jumping over 10,000 Bitcoin. This was obviously going on during the drama uh, i think no one could have scripted this one better <laughs> so uh, that was that was quite quite nice uh, they came out with a new s code to give a small fuck you was that filter this wasn't it filter this yeah 50 percent off lovely Ooh, nice. that was beautiful so that was that was sometime around christmas right i think it was new year's eve 
Oh, New Year's Eve. All right. It was when it when it tipped over 10,000. It was either Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve. But uh, yeah, awesome to see. Massively vindicated for the team. Huge congratulations to everybody involved. And it's still going strong even after 10K. I think we're up to 10.5K now. Ooh. And you were right for a change. Yeah, the one call. Uh, well, I made two calls last year. One of them is still open. It's a bet with uh, Odell about uh, Mempool's clearing. Currently, he's winning, unfortunately. I think I've mm-hmm. gotten to La Harving to lose that bet. Mm-hmm. And then the other one, I think I said it in March, where liquidity was about 6,500 Bitcoin. I called uh, 10K liquidity by the end of the year and I got it got <laughs> in by literally the skin of my teeth. I'm pretty sure it was New Year's <laughs> Eve, yeah. But that wasn't a bet with anyone. It was just an off-the-cuff comment to back to TDEV because yeah. TDEV regularly uh, posts updates about the liquidity, especially when it hits all-time highs. And I just, uh, off-the-cuff comment, just said, you know, back in March, 10K by end of year. And then I commented it on pretty much all of his updates after that just to drive the point home. And it seemed to manifest itself. I'm not saying that I had much to do with that with my uh, you are, you know, you are. three times 100,000 sat UTXOs in Whirlpool. <laughs> I was going to say how high are the interest rates on your loan for pushing in those 500 next? <laughs> yeah, I'm, swe- I'm sweating a little bit. <laughs> yeah, But you're right. Just remember that. <laughs> That's the important point. So uh, next on the list, this is something that's potentially interesting, but I have not had time to look into this much mercury layer. So this is a new proposal for a layer two, which supposedly allows for self-custody and also transactions off-chain. So this would be a competitor to Lightning and to, well, for those of who use it, Liquid. But I'm not sure how this works uh, technically. I mean, there's not been an a- actual wallet released or anything. It's, it's more like of a toolkit, uh, a dev kit for people to build on. But uh, I've not seen this discussed much yet. So um, I don't know if you can fill in on this. I'll read the TLDR from their website. Mercury Layer is an implementation of a Layer 2 state chain protocol that enables off-chain transfer and settlement of Bitcoin outputs that remain under the full custody of the owner at all times, while benefiting from instant and zero-cost transactions. The ability to perform this transfer without requiring confirmation, basically mining, of on-chain transactions has advantages in a variety of different applications. I've listened to a couple of podcasts on this and it's very, very, very complex and tends to blow my brain about 10 minutes in. I think the TLDR is it's like you're provably transferring private keys. That's how you can do it off chain without having like a double spend problem. How that works, I've got no clue. But if they can pull this off and it kind of gains some traction, then it could be a cool scaling solution. As always, if it sounds too good to be true, like that little snippet did, there's almost always going to be some trade-offs buried somewhere. I just haven't found them yet. That sounds wild. Because uh, I mean, transferring the private key, but you're rolling the private key as well so it's a different private key or uh, yeah the, i don't know or like some kind of somehow wrapping it in in some kind of encryption and I, all right i mean this just to put it into perspective how complex this is like i just scroll down from the the little blurb that i've just read and there's like code snippets and i'll just read one out to you it's o2 brackets s1 plus o1 equals s2 plus o2 and lock time equals s1 ro s2 p like it doesn't make any sense to the layman yeah, no, okay. so yeah. <laughs> oh you got that yeah yeah you got all that cool no that's a reasonable trade-off actually i like that <laughs> there we go uh, he's got the seal of approval from max okay well with all these uh things i mean we can probably re- revisit this in a, in a couple of years and wait and see, see. something yeah something. i was gonna say yeah give it 10 years mm-hmm. yeah all right um yeah well we'll see who's around in 10 years uh coming to the next <laughs> topic with uh ledger fucking up at the end of the year once more Ledger Connect kit exploited. <laughs> Wouldn't be a Bitcoin monthly without a Ledger fuck up, would it? <laughs> well, it's not our choice, right? And we, we didn't choose. <laughs> They're pushing the themselves on us. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, so this is a good reminder why it's valuable to have Bitcoin-only products, uh, especially in the, in the self-custody space. So um, here, Bitcoin users uh, were mostly protected but their connect kit which allowed for third-party websites to connect back to uh, your ledger to do quick and convenient spends there was uh, some exploit uh, in that software which led to uh, hacks and stolen funds within the wider crypto ecosystem 
this was live for about two hours and was then patched, but still there's quite a large amount of, of funds which were stolen. The other thing that's worth mentioning here is I believe that it was to do with web applications. And when you're doing uh, like signings of these complex smart contracts on various chains that are not Bitcoin, they're so complex that you can't communicate what's going on on the tiny USB stick screen that Ledger has. So basically Ledger just says, do you want to take this action? Yes or no. And the user basically just has two choices. So they can't verify anything that's happening. So if there is an exploit like this, they can't pick it up. They can't catch it. And clearly the ledger didn't catch it for whatever reason. I don't, I don't know with the, the ins and outs of the, of the hack, but yeah, just uh, another uh, notch in the bedpost of ledger screw ups this year. Brilliant. Oh yeah. Yeah. On that topic is also, that was uh, going, that got put a lot of attention at the end of the year as well. Um, was um, some, reporting uh from a nim on twitter uh, i've not got the handle i don't know if one of you can find it until i'm finished uh, but um they reported or did a bit of digging in the ledger live app for like how much oh, tracking, tracking they do yeah. fucking hell and this was uh brutal i mean at the end of the day it's not that surprising that they track literally everything you do within the app but that it even goes all the way to balances and um, yeah, highly sensitive information that does not have much to do with like usual analytics that uh, companies use to improve their product. Um, so this actually was high-level surveillance um, of their users, and um, their response was very meager. Uh, that was just very very limited and just basically like yeah well you've kind of opted into this way signing the terms of service and that's it there was so much tracking in in this that this guy found that it basically ledger knows what you're thinking before you think it (laughs) (laughs) that's a joke by the way just before somebody comes after me with the lawsuit Well, I heard on uh, McCormack's show, the best thing to do is buy a ledger, get tracked and surveilled, and then send it into Wasabi to get tracked and surveilled. <laughs> if you have anything left after that to go and gamble it. Is that true? <laughs> Not financial advice. <laughs> yeah, don't do that, guys. <laughs> don't listen to any of those adverts ever. <laughs> Whatever's being advertised is going to rape you. Yeah, looking forward to the next one, eh? So I think this is uh, one of the last points uh, on the list. The EU has uh, come out with another provisional agreement to increase the level of uh, surveillance and uh, the limits on uh, transaction amounts uh, which are available to, to us citizens of the EU. Well, me and my people over here, not you. Let's go Brexit. <laughs> presumably will follow suit uh, it seems like we talk about this sort of stuff every single month but once again it's just a reminder that the net is closing in the arbitrary limits that they set that you can transact privately via cash bitcoin debit card whatever it is are set they're not set permanently they will get smaller and smaller and smaller whilst they're continuing to inflate the money supply so that things cost more and more and more until you can't buy a pack of chewing gum without giving them your inside leg measurement so yeah we need an alternative uh do you know of any guys no i'll let you know if i hear of anything okay the one good thing is this is i mean with the eu if they've demonstrated one thing, everything takes ages. So this is a provisional agreement, and now this has to be discussed and presented to all the different member states and so on, and then they'll come together to formally agree on this. So this could even be blocked or revised. And then even once it's formally agreed upon, usually there's a lead time of multiple years until the member states have to implement this. So, um, yeah, this is not something that will happen in 2024. Um, but uh, as yeah, you just mentioned, uh, this is pretty much inevitable this, that this will come and much expected. And we've discussed this many times. Um, and it's just one, one step on the way. Um, so prepare accordingly. Yeah. 
never more freedom for the subjects. It's always less, always more surveillance. Good to see. Did anyone watch? I know it's a politician. I know we'll see what actually happens and what he actually does. But did you watch Millet's speech at the WEF conference? No. I've seen it linked and retweeted that many times in twi- on Twitter that I, I'm putting up a stand now and I just don't want to watch it. I'm just <laughs> sick of the sight of his face. Fine. I watched it for you. It is still a politician and it's probably lying and it's probably bullshit. But I'll say this. He did stand up in front of the WEF and literally tell them to go fuck themselves, that they are murderous leeches, that all the things that they're pushing are complete bullshit, and then he backed it up with a lot of data and facts. I just thought, whether he does what he says he's going to do or not, it was quite enjoyable to see that, to see at the WEF someone literally talking about how disgusting they are, why you have to have sound money, why you shouldn't have government at all, And anyone who is building and creating is a hero. And anyone who's trying to control them is a disgusting leech. Fair play. Fair play. Yeah, exactly. Fair play. Newsflash for next month. Listeners, turn off now if you don't want a spoiler. Melee has been found in his bathtub with a hairdryer in his hand. (laughs) Exactly (laughs) that. I shouldn't laugh, but I took a bet at work yesterday about this. It was how long until he gets suicided. Gets Epstein, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. He's either going to get Epstein or he's going to suddenly be found with a load of like pedo stuff on his hard drive. Uh, it's going yes. to be one of the two. And then I decided it's actually not going to be that. It's both. What will happen is he will be <laughs> suicided. And then to discredit everything that he said, Millet found in the bathtub, killed himself after we found pedo stuff on his drive. What a disgusting man. Mm -hmm. This is why you can never have freedom and you have to have socialism. And then everyone will go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that'll be it. Yep. I wouldn't take the over-under on that bet. I think that's... uh... One to ten. One to ten on that bet. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, geez. Um, Did you... I I didn't put it on the list, or I I can't remember whether whether I did or not, but did you guys see hot off the press this week that the Samurai team have opened up their atomic swap to a public beta? No. Yes. So they've released the... the, um, Go on, Max, you take it away. Well, you know more about it than me, I'm sure, but basically atomic swaps meaning that for your doxic change, where it gets to a point where it's too small to put in and mix again, where it's just sat there and you're like, what the fuck do I do with this? You can then swap that into Monero with an atomic swap, and then you could collect as much of the Monero you wanted over time and then swap back out or spend it, whichever you wanted, which is a pretty big privacy gain. Cool to see. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Just a point of clarification here, the app is a standalone desktop application right now. I'm not sure what the end state is here, whether it's only going to be a desktop app or whether this is like the testing ground before it gets moved into the wallet. I'm guessing it's the latter. But right now, if you're wanting to test, then it is, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a development-based desktop uh, UI just to get things, um, you know, test the, the framework itself. But love to see it. Looking forward to the usual crowd shouting shitcoiner. But yeah, this is a very, very useful tool. And like you say, perfect for, for Doxic Chain. So uh, once again, hats off, guys. Keep building. This is just a tool for the impatient, man. We've just got to wait for the 10K pool. Yeah, man, the way the mempool's going, I can't see that happening. <laughs> yeah, you fucking shit yeah. coiners. <laughs> Anyone who actually uses Bitcoin and uses these tools will come across this problem. They'll be like, oh, what do I do with this? And, and it will either sit in your wallet or you'll swap it out to Monero or you'll buck yourself somehow and mix it by accident. So it is really useful. And then all the people who will attack people who actually use Bitcoin for doing this, either if you're using Monero or accepting Monero, they'll then attack you and you're like, you're accepting fiat on your website. You keep calling that shitcoin. So who's the bigger shitcoiner? Yeah. And you use your wallet as Satoshi. Yeah, exactly. I don't get that argument at all. I mean, it's like this whole shit. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just user tools, right? And I mean, do whatever you want to do. (laughs) Like, I I don't really give a shit. Plus one. Yeah. I mean, if, if this serves a use case for people, go ahead. Um, and 
I mean, we spoke about this obviously within regards to other projects as well. That the more different projects you in, incorporate, and the more the, the larger your code base gets, and all that kind of stuff, like the larger the risk is for vulnerabilities, and the, the larger mm. your dependency base gets. But I mean, the, adding one to the list won't kill you. And I, I mean, I'm not a developer, so I don't know exactly what the difference in code bases uh, from the protocol side and, and all that kind of stuff, like how much uh, has to be implemented there. You make a valid point about the increase in code base and stuff. And just to be clear here, the way that this is going to work end state in Samurai is that there is no Monero wallet in there. You need an independent Monero wallet to receive to. And I guess that's probably one of the driving factors for them doing that is that they don't have that overhead then. Like you have to just plug mm-hmm. in a Monero address and say, right, send it here when you when the swap completes, mm-hmm. which is a wise thing to do. Because, well, for the exact reasons that you stated, Antimus. It takes out one step because at the moment people are having to take that UTXO then send that to a swapping service, which is either centralized or, well, generally they're centralized. And then you then have to get changed for Monero and then sent to your own wallet. This just takes that out. And rather than it being a centralized entity doing it, you have this atomic swap where it either happens or it doesn't and you don't Mm -hmm. get fucked, basically. So it is very useful. And then you're only doing it for, I think most people would do something like, they take their doxic change. If it's a larger amount, they'd put that larger amount back through the pool and they keep doing that through all the different pools until they get to the smallest amount. And then you're like, well, what do I do with the smallest amount? With that smallest amount, you would then do the atomic swap. You'd either then change that straight out for Bitcoin or you just make a spend. You either do a donation or you buy VPN with it or you do whatever you need to do with that smaller amount. Yeah, I just don't see where the issue is. It's useful. Agreed, 100%. Any other business, gentlemen? Uh, One thing I wanted to add, which was really amazing over the last month, there have been two large grant rounds announced, one from OpenSats and one from the HRF. So there have been a whole list of different open source projects and individual developers, core contributors, and so on that have gotten funding for quite a significant uh, amount of time now going forward to work on specific things or just carry on their work in, in regards to the these open source projects. So this is a major boost that came out. One that uh, I'd personally like to highlight is uh, Keith Mukai from SeedSigner, the lead maintainer, mm-hmm. who got a grant from the HRF to work on Seed Signer full-time again. He did that a couple of years ago with the grant, and this uh, gave a huge boost at the time. I think it was the 0.5.0 that came out, which was completely reworked. And now, once again, he's got time to ditch his Fiat job and um, and work on this full-time, which is amazing. Nice. So uh, looking forward to seeing what comes out of that. But uh, as a short teaser, I think, what he's uh, mainly working on now is rewriting the code base to be able to function on all sorts of different hardware platforms so that it's not dependent on the Raspberry Pi Zero anymore. And I think the main point is to port the code to MicroPython. And this will obviously be huge for DIY builders around the world um, who don't necessarily have access to the Raspberry Pi Zero and also people who may have concerns with that board or delivery shortages, supply chain shortages, mm-hmm. and so on. So this would be... That's pretty huge. cool. Presumably that makes it a bit less attackable as well. If it's MicroPython, can that be used on lots of different boards? Exactly. I mean, like one would be like the ESP32 or something like that, mm-hmm. which like the Blockstream Jade runs on that as well. So so that's a, another board that, that would work, or also like the Banana Pi um, and so on. I mean, that concern is is not zero uh, with the raspberry pi zero but mm. um it's they produce millions of these devices so it's it's not a niche product where the supply chain could be attacked to get to those few bitcoiners that use it i mean it, it, the overwhelming majority uh, is yeah. used for completely different things um so mm. but obviously it, it's it would be still better to have, have more options very good to see. Are you selling uh, many of your new cases? I saw them. They're very sexy. The aluminium cases, yeah. Oh, so nice. They are beautiful. Yeah. There's uh, actually a, a new version coming out. I uh, haven't um, 
officially announced these yet um, on Twitter. We'll take but, this as um, the official this will, announcement. There we go. Um, so this is a reworked um, case. This is by uh, formerly Monero Time. Um, I think his uh, account was nuked and, and, and now it's XMR Street or something like that. Um, but he's, he's a, a hell of a guy, um, very, very talented, who designed and builds these uh, full aluminium milled cases for the seed signer. So this is under the label seed signer premium and they're extremely thin and very, very high quality builds. The first version came out a couple of months ago and they had all the ports open and now the new version will only have the power Shield port open. Alert. There we go. <laughs> About time. Alert. <laughs> um yeah, so so you you you're secured there. So only the power port is accessible. Exactly. Right. So you don't run the risk of connecting this wired data. Um and now the new versions will be in full black and full orange. Uh, so looking forward to see how they're received. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people who have actually held them as well and been like, yeah, this is really premium, like really, really nice. So that's good to see because I've always had a bit of a problem with plastic, all this 3D printing stuff. It's like, yeah, okay, it's kind of cool, but it's also kind of shit. Sorry to anyone who's printing it and making it, but mm -hmm. I never like have that in my hand and go, oh, this is nice. Metal for the win. That's a big, big step up. And I mean, I've, I've heard this from a lot of people, especially, I mean, if you're a tinkerer and if you build it yourself, like you kind of know the value of the product and, and you don't really put that much weight into the feel and the aesthetic. But if you're a user that, and you just want to, wants things to work and, and have a great experience with the whole thing, getting a 3D printed case into your hands, um, it's not like the most trustworthy feel and, and first impression mm. and this uh, obviously completely flips that and um yeah but also just uh, just playing around with it and using it is, is so much fun even if this were not <laughs> like uh, sold on my website i personally was absolutely blown away by the work of this guy xmr street um who also uh, sells these on on his website so that's uh, monerotime.com i think it's com but uh, as a caveat, uh, you can only pay with Monero. So uh, Samurai guys, you've got to get those swaps functioning quickly. Cool. Is that the uh, entire list? Are we done? That was it. That was a good one, guys. Absolutely. Clean. We're getting quite good at this, aren't we? <laughs> Should be by now. We've had enough practice. <laughs> All right, cool. Nice. Catch up with you both next month, if not before. Good way to start the new year. Absolutely. That was fun. See you, fellas.